got a hand clap. Great, right? And I've got great news about our land that I'll be giving to you in the next two weeks. God's doing some big things. And so I'll be sharing some things with you in the next couple of weeks. Uh, God is uh, just doing some awesome things here at Eaglesview Church. If you're a guest, hope that you feel welcome this morning, excited about you being here. Let us know that you've been here. As Randy said earlier, we'd love to know about you being here today. We'd love to just, uh, just be able to say thanks for coming. We are in the middle of a series called Five Easy Steps to Wreck Your Life. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to spend just a little bit of time there. Now, last week, we gave you some surefire ways to wreck your marriage. We even talked about the, the whole issue of adultery last week. We spent some time there. And uh, last week, I want to tell you, in, in spite of the, the, the subject matter, and I knew it was going to be a tough thing to talk about, and I knew that it was going to bring up a lot of emotions for a lot of people as we discussed the issue of, of marriage and we discussed adultery and all those kinds of things that God's Word speaks to us about, um, it was still a great Sunday. God moved in some incredible ways within our church, and, and I'm praising God for some of the restoration that I know is happening within marriages right here within Eagles View Church. And, and uh, in spite of the content last week, I'm glad you came back. A lot of you came back. That was some, uh, some heavy stuff I was laying on you last Sunday. And uh, I feel like I need to apologize to uh, those of you who were here last week. I've had some of you that have told me that I have forever ruined the song Smooth Operator from here on out. I've ruined it for you. I was busting a move to smooth operator last week. And so I just apologize to you if I mess that up for you from here on out. All right. Matthew chapter 13. And as you're turning in the gospel of Matthew this morning, I want to ask you a question. And I want to tell you straight up that the first service this morning, they really did great with this question. So I'll just throw that out there to you. So I need you to do the same. I want you to be really honest with yourself about the question that I'm about to ask you. Uh, don't answer it just yet. Don't raise your hands or anything of that nature. We're going to unpack that question more whenever I reveal it to you in just a second. But those of you who are believers, those of you who are Christ followers, and I know there, there are some within our congregation that you're still seeking, you're still trying to figure out Christianity and trying to decide whether you want to follow Christ, and we, we are glad that you're here. But specifically to those who are Christ followers this morning, I want you to answer this honestly in your own heart right now. And here's the question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you could honestly say that you were closer to God, closer to Jesus Christ than you are right now? Okay, I just want you to think about that. No, don't answer out loud or raise your hand or elbow anybody or anything like that, okay? I want you to think about this. Was there, has there been a time in your life where, where you were closer to, to Jesus than you are today? Well, for example, um, let me just think about a few things that might kind of help you deal with that question. Has there been a time in your life where you actually were passionate about the Word of God? Where you, where you just couldn't wait to maybe open God's Word. And maybe you were still learning a whole lot about the Word of God. Maybe you, were, you didn't know everything about it. But there would be a time where you would open the Word of God and you just couldn't wait because you knew that God was going to speak something into your life. And it was going to be like the, the Word of God was like just leaping off the pages into your soul. You've experienced that. Many of you, you know what I'm talking about. Where you would just open God's Word or you would hear God's Word proclaimed by whoever was speaking, whether it's me or Pastor Randy or somebody or Kyle or, or whatever. Someone would be speaking and, and you would hear that and you'd be like, man, the dude's been reading my mail. He's been going through what I've been going through in my life and speaking to me. Some of you, you know there's been a time in your life where, where God's Word was so important to you, you'd think, man, that was just for me. Thank you, God, for speaking into my life. Or maybe some of you used to be so excited about church, and now you're thinking, but dude, we're here at church this morning. I realize that. A lot of you are here at church this morning. That's great. But here's what I know is that oftentimes we can even be at church, and we know how to play church, and we know how to go through the motions of church. We know how to look very Christian like on the outside. We know how to do all these things. And so, so let's just kind of set that aside. Has there been a time where 
I mean, you, you just were so excited about church and, and, and you wanted to kind of maybe not, and not to condemn those that are sitting in the back, but you couldn't wait to get here. You wanted to sit up front. You wanted to be, you wanted to be in the splash zone where the pastor's spitting and slobbering and all that. You know what I'm talking about, okay? And, uh, and sweating and, uh, and, and certainly sweating, okay? And, uh, but you were just, you could not, there was this anticipation of coming and not because you wanted to be around me or even around other people, although you love the other people that are here, but it was just you knew you were going to have an encounter with God. You couldn't wait to meet with Him. There was an anticipation building in your, in your week of coming and celebrating corporately what God had done. There was this anticipation of worship of King Jesus. Some of you, maybe you were so excited about Christ at one point that you just couldn't be quiet about Him. You couldn't be quiet about what He was doing in your life. Not that you were trying to be obnoxious to other people and make people, you know, uh, believe exactly what you believe, but just Jesus was just kind of oozing out of you because you were so filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and you know, and, and you would have conversations with people and they would often, it was like God would put people in your path and they would turn into spiritual conversations. Am I talking to the right people? You know, where that would start happening, you'd be like, how do we even start talking about that? Next thing you know, you're sharing the Lord with that person and you're sharing about what God has done in your life. Maybe you would pray for people that you were really uh, heartbroken about or people that you knew that didn't know Christ and you prayed for them and you'd do whatever you could to maybe help them to know Christ. You weren't ashamed to ask people to come to church. You weren't ashamed to tell them about Jesus. You, you, would, you, would just, you, know, you just were so in love with Jesus that you had to tell other people about Him. Maybe you used to be this person of prayer. There was a point in your spiritual life where you were, your prayer life was vibrant. And, and you would spend time not only reading God's Word, but you would spend time listening to God. You'd spend time just, just being still and being quiet or praying. Uh, I like the way uh, that, that one of my friends talked about his life was like an all-day prayer. Where he would open up and start talking about this, and then the end of it would be like he could just say amen at the end of the day. That's a prayer life, you know, where it's just this vibrancy within your prayer life. And, and there may be times where you could sense that God was leading you to do something that, humanly speaking, you look at it and you think, man, that's just crazy. There's no way I'm going to do something like that. But you know that God's leading you to take a risk, and you think, because I can tell God's speaking to me, not audibly, but because I can see that God's leading me. There was this closeness because of that going on. You're thinking, man, I used to be such a person of prayer. I've not experienced that in some time now. Somewhere along that, along that path, somewhere along that journey, I think it happens to so many of us. I was meeting with a guy this past week for lunch, and we were just talking about things, and he was just sharing with me kind of what was going on with his life and where, where he had been and, and, and what's happening now. And he said, Bart, the way I would describe it to you is spiritually what I could say about myself, and I appreciated his honesty so much. He said, I just could tell you, here's the word. He said, I'm just numb. Anybody relate to that? I'm just numb to the spiritual things right now. You know, I, I just don't seem to be, I don't seem to be growing right now. I'm numb to the things of God. And, and I want to ask you to be really honest this morning. I'm just curious, how many of you would say, okay, and let's just get real. We're about being real. We're about being authentic. We're about being transparent here at EBC. How many of you would say there's been a point in your life that you know for sure that you are closer to God than what you are today with no judgment whatsoever upon anyone who would lift their hand. How many of you would say, dude, that's me. That's me you're talking to this morning. I just want you just to look around. You can keep them up, okay? Because look, look, my hand's been up too. I want you to see how many hands are up in this place. First service was full too. Hands were up all over the place this morning. Both services this morning and... I mean, it's just very, and let me say, those of you who lifted your hands, I know it's kind of a, a fearful thing. You're thinking, he's asking me to raise my hand. He's about to hammer me now. You know, he just set me up. You know, we're talking about ways to wreck your life. Now he's going to point that out, man. I want to just say, I really appreciate your honesty. And if you're a guest here at, at Eaglesview this morning, what I hope that you would see from the people who are here is this, is that we're not perfect, Right? We don't have it all together. We're on the journey. 
I mean, we've called ourselves the church of the jacked up many times, okay? I mean, we're messed up. We've got problems. We've got issues. But what I want you to see is this. If you are a guest here, I want you to see there's a lot of honesty in this room. There's a lot of honesty in people saying, that's me. So congratulations for your honesty this morning because that's actually the beginning of the Holy Spirit beginning to quicken and speak to your heart about about maybe some change that needs to happen. About Him doing something in your life. I'll tell you a story um, that I heard whenever I was in church and I was growing up in this one church and I heard this pastor tell this story. And I've never forgotten this. But he said, uh, he was using this illustration. He said, he said he, he had heard of a couple that had been married for over 20 years and, and the husband was always kind of driving his pickup truck. They were kind of a country little couple there and driving his little pickup truck and, and, uh, he was newly, uh, married, newlyweds with this beautiful young woman and they were just so much in love. And when he was driving, he would have his left hand up on the wheel. Forget that 10 and 6 junk. He had his left hand up on the wheel. His right hand was over here kind of on the armrest. And his newlywed bride, she was just kind of, uh, kind of snuggled up, holding his hand, kind of snuggled up along to him. She was so close to him. And, and they would just drive down the road. They were listening to George Strait or something like that. Or maybe Sade. We never know. Okay. And they were just so in love. And, 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 uh, but they've been married for about 20 years. And, and, and he was driving down the road one day and his arm was still on the armrest right there and his left arm was still up on the wheel and they're going down the road. Everything still kind of seems the same, but his wife has kind of moved over in the seat. She's closer to the window. She's kind of staring out the window there. And, and then all of a sudden she just says to her husband, she said, honey, what, what, whatever happened to us? There just used to be so much passion. There used to be, remember years ago, whenever you were driving, I'd always be kind of snuggled up next to you. I'd be listening to the music and I'd be holding your hand. And, you know, things just don't seem to be the same anymore. It just seems like our relationship, we're just kind of going through the motions. We, we just used to be so in love. Whatever happened? And, and the man just kind of looked over at his wife and he said, Well, honey, all I can say is this. I never moved. I never moved. And listen, if, if there was a point in your life, and so many of us, we raised our hands and we said, there has been a point in, our, in my life where I've been so much closer to God than where I am today. Please hear this. There's no condemnation. I'm not trying to beat up on anybody today. Uh, I'm not trying to condemn. Here's the thing I want to very humbly say to you this morning, because I could have easily raised my hand this morning, but I knew this was coming, right? So I had, I had a chance to get right with God in this. I, I just want to say this so humbly to you is this, is that God has never moved. Aren't you glad to know that about Him, though? Aren't you glad to know that in, in spite of our, our unfaithfulness, in spite of our, our tendency to drift and to wander in our walk with God, God is always so stable and steadfast, He doesn't move. He stays right there. And, and, and today what I want to talk to you about is this, and here's what I want to say is that as He has never moved, His love for you has also never wavered. His love is a pursuing kind of love where He pursues us even when we are prone to drift and we're prone to wander. I want to talk to you about five easy ways to drift in your relationship with God. And as we talk about this, I want to just say, those of you that raise your hands, here's some good news in this, okay? You can take a little bit of solace in this in knowing that if you raise your hand, here's what I want you to know. This is not an uncommon phenomenon here. This happens frequently with most of us. There are songs that are written about being prone to wander. There are songs, if you think of Come, Come Thou Fount, you think of the, the line that says, prone to wander. Lord, I know this about myself. I'm prone to wander. I'm prone to drift. And it's kind of like it's, it's within our, our human nature to begin to take for granted certain things that are important within our life. And, and so we're prone to drift. We're prone to wander. We're, we're prone to just kind of look past the things that are, should be priorities in our life. It's so commonplace for us to do this. This is why I know that the Lord, one of the reasons He instituted things like the Lord's Supper. Some of you told me a few weeks back when we had the Lord's Supper, you said, I'm so glad we did that because I've just kind of been straying in my walk with God. And what, what the Lord's Supper does for us is it, is it brings us back to, this, to the focal point of what Christ has done in our life. 
It brings us back to this place of humility before Him and where we've drifted. It kind of it brings us back to what we're really all about. This is why the Lord has instituted these kinds of things. It causes us to remember. It causes us to wake up from our drifting complicate things further for you, though, if you raised your hand and you said, man, I'm, I'm prone to wander, I'm, I'm drifting right now. Here's something that I just want to make you aware of today is this, is that you are also going to have all sorts of outside help from someone that is adamant about seeking to wreck your life. I mentioned this last week that we have a spiritual enemy. And a lot of times we just don't really recognize that. We don't think about that. But you do. An enemy that, as we put it last week, that's watching your game films, that knows your tendencies, that knows how to, to plant landmines that, that would trip you up and destroy you. And, and, and his mission in his existence is to wreck your life. The Gospel of John gives his purpose statement, which is to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what he's about. That's what he wants to do. It's his specialty. You can go all the way back to the book of Genesis when God first created Adam and Eve and the evil one showed up in the form of of a serpent. And he's been trying and working overtime, trying to drive a wedge between God and humanity from the very beginning. That's what he's all about. He came to them in the Garden of Eden and they've been blessed with so much. And he came to them and he said, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from that tree? God's holding out on you. God, God, he started raising questions about God's authority and all of this. You know, he was he was bringing all of this up. Satan loves to destroy our faith. He loves to wreck our faith in God. The Apostle Paul had a very real heartfelt concern for this church at Corinth, this church that he had planted. And truthfully, I have to say as a pastor this, that I have the same kind of concern for many of us. Because I see it happening so frequently within our own congregation. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I want you to see what Paul honestly writes to this group of people that needed to hear from him. He says, But I am afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your minds, your minds may somehow be led astray from your what? From your sincere and pure, say it with me, church, devotion to Christ. So easy for us to be led away, to be led astray. This is most likely what happened to many of you who raised your hands and you've said, man, I didn't purposefully drift. We don't purposefully drift ever, do we? Sometimes we might, but for the most part, most who raise their hands, we just kind of we just kind of get led astray. We fall into traps of deception of our enemy. In Matthew chapter 13, this is our main text for the day, Jesus told this parable. It's called the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower. And he was telling those that as they were listening, they were very, uh, they would understand and would relate very much so to this metaphor that Jesus was going to use about the word of God going out in the hearts of the people that were receiving it. He was painting this beautiful picture, uh, one that that many people, some struggled in understanding it, some got it, and they, they realized this. But what he said is he said, there was this man who was a sower. He was a sower and he had this, basically he had seed that he was going to be casting and broadcasting out there. And, and this man's hope was that as this was, uh, as he's broadcasting this seed out, that it would take root and that it would grow, it would produce a bountiful harvest. And so these guys lived in an agricultural type world. They kind of understood this. They would have gotten this very much so. Jesus is speaking right to them. He was, he was just really speaking right to the heart of what many of them understood. And here's what he said in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 3. I'm reading this morning from the New Living Translation. I like the way that this one reads in the story here. He says, Jesus tells the story. He says, listen, this is a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath. And then the birds came and did what? The birds came and they ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. 
But the, the plants, they soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have any deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they, they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Now, these hearers would have been listening to Jesus telling this story, and they would have been thinking, all right, I get what you're talking about. We understand the whole farming thing. But, but, but listen, what does this have to do with us, Jesus? And Jesus says, well, I'm glad that you asked that. And here's what you can say about us as well. This still 2,000 years later applies for us today. You are one of the four different types of soil. If you're here this morning, the soil is representative of your heart. The condition of your heart in the sense of receiving the truth of God's word. You could say you're one of four types of people that are here today. This explanation Jesus gives, these four different categories, he, he unpacks this, this metaphor for us. And so let's just let him unpack it for us now. Here's what he says in verse, verse 18. He said this, he says, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. So he's going to explain it for us because we read it and we go, what's he talking about there? Here's what he says. Verse 19, the seed that fell on the footpath, That's the stuff that was really hard, that had been trampled down. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and they don't understand it. And then the evil one comes and he snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. And sadly, I have to say, because there are so many folks that are here this morning and we're in the first service and we'll be in the next one. Sadly, there will be a group of people that you will fall into that category today. Where your heart is very hardened and, and you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like this. You can think of me as the sower this morning who is casting the seed of God's word out among his people. Among the people who are here in attendance today. And it's like I'm casting, I'm broadcasting the seed of God's word. And, 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 and there are some of you, as I'm throwing God's word out, you're kind of going, what? I, I, don't, I don't get this. I, mean, I don't get this. I, we, we like it when you tell funny stories. Tell more funny stories, okay? Spend most of your time, you know, doing those kinds of things, Pastor Bart. I mean, we really were, honestly, although it burned this horrid image in our mind, we like it when you bust a move to Sade, okay? Think, think more along those lines. But, but man, now you're talking about farming and casting seed and all this. Where are we? I don't understand. And here's the truth is that you're not really going to understand this. And it's going to like it's going to land along the path of your hardened heart today. And the birds are going to come and Satan is going to he's going to snatch that seed away. He's going to snatch it away. And in other words, there's there's not going to be any spiritual transformation in your life. We've seen this in the 10 years that we've been in, in existence, that there have been many who have come through these doors. And the, the word of God is the word of God. And it's cast out and some people receive it and their lives are transformed and changed. And that's why we started our church. We want to see lives change. We want to make people, we don't want to make people religious. We want them to, to come to know the Lord in a life-changing way. But there have been many, many, that although the seed has been scattered faithfully, it's been on their hardened heart and they've walked out these doors and there's not been any transformation. And I say that and it breaks my heart. Because again, God's Word is God's Word. And um, it's tragic, but it's true. That's some group that could be here today. You might fall into that category. Then he said there's a second group of people. And this, again, will be some of you. Verse 20, he says this. He says, the seed on the rocky soil, it represents those who hear the message. And immediately they do what? Say it with me, church. What do they do? They receive it with joy. I mean, they're fired up whenever they get the word. It comes their way. Um, they hear the message, they receive it with joy. And some of you are like, man, that seed that's coming out, that tastes so good, good stuff. Pastor B, bring the stuff, man. I like it. It fires me up. I got my church, my church fixed this Sunday. That's what I needed. But sadly, as you read on, since it has no root, it says that this man, he only lasts a short time. He doesn't, he doesn't really last. Here's what it says in verse 21. But since they don't have deep roots... They don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have, say it with me, church, what? As soon as they have 
problems. Or they're persecuted for believing God's word. They were at first excited about God's word and they, maybe it started spilling out a little bit and people started criticizing them for being that way. So they were persecuted for their belief. They were persecuted for this excitement. Or, but I think the, the greater thing we see is that these, these problems, uh, these problems come into our life and some of you are going to go, man, I received this with such joy. This is awesome. I love what's happening here. I love what's going on at Eagles View Church. I want my life to change. And I don't know what that means to you. For some of you, what that means is, you know what I'm going to do? I've got this checklist of all these spiritual things I'm going to do now. I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to, I need to get a Christian t-shirt. I've got to get the Christian breath mints. Okay. Or I've got to get the little fish that goes on the back of my car that people can see. I'm excited about all this. I don't know what that means for you, you know, but I observe this I observe this all the time as a pastor, and it breaks my heart. The reality is that many are fired up right now, but something is going to happen. A problem is going to come up. A problem is going to arise in your life. It's going to emerge. And here's the thing I can say about that. If, I don't, if you don't get anything else I say today, you can count on that. You're going to have some problems, right? I mean, problems are going to happen. That's just what life is like. And so, so what happens is they... They kind of fall away is what Jesus said. This is the second group of people that he's talking about. Then Jesus starts talking to the third group. And my guess is, is that this is the group that would represent the largest portion who probably here within our congregation, because this is just the way we are. Matthew 13, verse 22, Jesus says this, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. Can I get an amen on that? Do you know what I'm talking about there? I mean, and then look at what it says next. And the what? And the lure of wealth. So what happens? So no fruit is produced. This happens often with so many of us. And knowing our culture, I'm just, I'm just guessing that this, would, again, would be many of us this morning. And I could say that I know there have been times in my life where I fall in this category where I, I struggle. The worries of life start choking this thing out. You know, you hear the Word of God. You're like, man, I get that. I love that. I love what God's doing in my life. But then all of a sudden, this thing happens. This thing, this thing called life happens. Right? And it's like God starts getting edged out. The very, the very moment that, you know, that these things, these problems, the, the worries of life, the lure of wealth, they come in. And the next thing you know, the very thing that has been most important to you just kind of gets put over here on a shelf. And we just kind of set it aside and we say, when life settles down, I'll come back to this. What happens, though, in life? Does life ever settle down for you guys? Never happens in my life. We just go from one moment of chaos to another, right? It's like a new season of chaos. But we fall into this deception of saying, when life, when I finally get my life in order, then I'll bring God back into my life. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? I said this, and many of you have heard this a million times. You probably grew up hearing this. It's like saying, I'm going to take a. You know, I need to get cleaned up before I take a bath. You know, you've heard that before. When I finally get my life straightened up, then I'll come and get God back in my life or, or all this. Life is going to continue to happen. You know what happens? All this stuff happens around us. School, you know, we, all kinds of things. Work or, or, you know, Hope and I, we moved into a new house last year and it was like just chaos for months because of this. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or some of you, maybe you've recently gotten married and now you're like, man, we're just trying to figure this, this whole marriage thing out. <laughs> Good luck. And, uh, you know, and, and then one day you have a baby and I don't mean like spontaneously. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It happens. Right. And and uh, but here comes your baby. And then the next thing you know, it's like new baby and and diapers and sleep deprivation. And and, you know, this is tough. And so what we do is, is, man, I can't handle it. And so we put God aside. We put God aside. Well, how about this one? As your kids get older, they become more and more involved in activities like 72 different activities within one week. 
You know, you're absolutely sure they're going to be the next Josh Hamilton. Or Tony Romo or Nastia Lucan or so life in your house. I mean, come on now. I know I'm talking to the right people here because I've, I've lived it. I know what I'm talking about here. Life in your house completely and absolutely revolves around your kids activities. Anybody been there? My hand is up. OK, my hand is up. You didn't mean to. You didn't mean to drift. But life happens. And you know what happens? Jesus is usually the first one to get set aside. Worries of life. Or Jesus says the deceitfulness or the, the lures of wealth. What Jesus is saying here is that somewhere along the line, Jesus is saying you sold out to materialism. You sold out. You've got to make more, have more, pursue more. And so what happens, guys, is many of these things that we're talking about, they're not intrinsically evil. They're not things that we look at and, 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 and you know, they're bad things. But what happens is this, is without even really realizing it, we start drifting. These things are so attractive. They are attractive distractions, you could call it that. And they choke the spiritual life right out of us. I mean, we're just choking spiritually. We're numb, like my friend said this week. I'm just numb. You didn't plan on it, but life happened. This is the third group of people. Then there's a fourth group, and it's my sincere and deep prayer that this that many of us are in this fourth category. And, and Jesus said in verse 23, He said, The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's Word. And what do they do? They produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Now, the hearers of this day, they'd be like 30, 60, 100. Are you serious? They'd be like, I mean, that, that's just unspeakable. If you got an eightfold return in your harvest from the seed there, that was great. Tenfold was unheard of. And now Jesus is coming and saying this kind of life that he's talking about, this abundant life can produce this 30, 60 or 100 times as much as what has been planted. In other words, what he's saying is that God is going to do more spiritually in your life than you can even comprehend. That's what he can do. That it's going to affect not just you, but your family. It's going to affect generations coming behind us. This is what he's talking about here. There's going to be this tremendous return. But the sad thing is that only a small percentage of us will see this happen in our lives. The truth is, is that most of us spend most of our life drifting, wandering, prone to wander. A few years uh, ago, I took my family to Destin, Florida. We went on a family vacation out there, beautiful place. And uh, we had rented a little place on the beach, and we were playing uh, out in the water there. I was having fun with my kids out in the ocean. Hope was not in the water. She was up doing what she likes to do when she goes to the beach, reads a book. Okay? I'm like, I'm out on the book. I'm in the water. I am afraid of sharks. So I'm, look, I'm looking for sharks. I'm listening for the music that the sharks announce when they're coming. Okay? Like in Jaws. I'm doing all those things. But I'm out there with my kids. All right? And I am. I'm on edge because I'm out there. But here's the thing. I'm starting to loosen up and have a good time with the kids. And, and uh, I'm not paying any attention to the beach at all. I'm just kind of caught up in the, in the, in the ocean there. And we're, we're, you know, and I'm kidding with the kids and tell them I saw a shark and things like that. You know, all right, real kid, real funny, right? Okay, when your daughter's screaming, stop screaming, mom will hear. And, uh, and so, you know, we're having fun. And uh, I kind of look back up to the beach. And I'm like, where's Hope? Where did she go? You know, I made Trinity cry. I need some help now, okay? And, and I'm like, where, where is she? And then I kind of looked and I realized she was way down on the other end of the beach. And while I was out playing with my kids in the ocean there and kind of just enjoying and just having fun or whatever, we had gotten caught up in the current and without really paying attention, we had drifted way down the beach. And so we had to like get out right there up on the beach, walk all the way back down to where she was at, Anybody ever done that? Okay. We weren't paying attention. Now, when we went back, back out in the water, I mean, hope had never moved. She was in the same place, reading the same book, you know, and doing her thing. She'd never moved. She was in the same place. And when we got back out in the water, you know what I noticed? I started really noticing how strong the tug was. 
where I'd not noticed it before, the tug to, to drift, the tug to wander. But, but because I could notice it now, and I was aware of it, now I would be like, hey, we're kind of drifting a little bit, kids. Come on, let's just kind of make our way back over here. We would come back to the center point of where my wife was every time. That's, that's where we needed to be. So we, I mean, but this constant pull down the water. Have, have any of you experienced that? Okay. And this is so much what happens to us spiritually. Many of you, you don't know it right now. You're having a moment right now where you've been in this, the waters spiritually and you've just been consumed and caught up in everything that's going on and you're kind of looking back and going, where is everybody? But you're the one that's moved. You're the one that's drifted. So today, maybe you need to kind of get back up on the beach and come back. Hebrews 2.1, God knew this about us. Look at what he says. The author of Hebrews says, we must pay more careful attention. I like that. Pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard. Will you say this with me out loud? Say it with me, church. So that we do not, what? Drift away. But you've got to pay attention. We just kind of get lackadaisical and next thing you know, we've drifted so far. And then you know what many of us think. We think, I've drifted so far, I could never come back. Some of you, that's you this morning. You're thinking, I could never come back. So just very quickly, let's cut to the chase on this. Some of you, God is pursuing you in such a way, and you've had such a rich relationship with God, but since we're talking about how to wreck your life, how to wreck your faith, let me just tell you just some quick steps on how to do that. Okay? In case you're just sick and tired of God's blessing and favor in your life, and you're just, I'm tired of that. I just want to know how to wreck it. Tell me, Pastor Bart. Huh? I'm sick of all the glory to God and all this, and I'm tired of making an eternal difference in people's lives. I just, I just want to be average. Okay? I want to be average. I want to drift. Well, these notes are for you. <laughs> you want to drift then here's what you do first you must neglect your time with god absolutely priority number one don't spend any time with god Psalm 63, David was in the desert of Judah. He's crying out to God. He said, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, God, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. You cannot let that be you if you want to drift. You've got to guard against that if you really want to drift. Do not seek him through his word. Neglect his word. Don't open his word. Leave your Bible in the car, you know, and don't read it all week. Just kind of dust it off as you come in on Sunday morning, if you even bring it on Sunday morning. And, you know, because here's the thing, if you do, and you're wanting to drift, but if you do open God's word, then here's the thing, it will challenge you, it will pierce you, it will speak into your life words that you need to hear. So by all means, do not open God's word if you want to drift. Because God will speak to you. Don't worship. Especially with authenticity or truthfulness or spirit and truth. I mean, find other things to do on Sundays or just sleep in. Or, or, or if you do have to come to church, then be sure that, uh, you know, that you don't get here on time. Or, or be certain that you don't engage yourself in worship. Be absolutely certain if you want to drift that you don't participate. Just watch. But never engage God. And I assure you, you will begin to drift. Don't get involved. Don't serve in your church. Because it could just be that if you serve, you might actually find some fulfillment in making a difference in someone's life. And, and that's going to be for God's glory. And so you, you certainly want to do that. Just come in late. Leave early. Don't listen. Reject and shake off everything God's trying to say to you today. Because here's the deal, if you don't give, if you don't serve or whatever, you don't use your gifts, if you start using your gifts, then you might experience spiritual fulfillment doing the thing God made you to do. So certainly don't get involved. Don't pray. Because here's the thing, when you pray, that means you're communicating with God and, and, and God's going to speak some things into your life. Now, again, not audibly, but He'll speak to you if you'll be quiet enough and listen. But here's the thing, you don't want to do that if you want to drift. Neglect your time with Him. Take it for granted. Here's another 
thing to do if you're taking notes, if you want to drift and you're sick of the blessings of God in your life. This is what you want. If you don't like your circumstances, then blame God. Just blame Him. Little verses like this, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Let this just get on your nerves, okay? (laughs) Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, if you want to drift, isn't that ridiculous? Think of how foolish this is if if your ambition is to drift and you, you, you certainly want to and you don't want to be close to God. You don't want to trust in God. You just want to trust in Him with only the things you can understand. Not with all of your heart, just part of your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. See, what you need to, if you want to drift, what you need to keep telling yourself is that you are actually the smartest one. We know that you're not, but you just keep telling yourself that, okay? Tell yourself that you know best about life. Tell yourself that whatever you do, you're not going to decide to take a step of faith and trust God. You lean on your own understanding if it's your ambition to drift so that when things don't go the way you want them, here's the deal. When they don't go the way you want them, what this does, it gives you the right to then blame God. Now, if you want to drift, here's another thing I would suggest, is that if a Christian hurts you, and by the way, that will happen. As a Christian hurts you, then then what that means now for you is that you can no longer go to church. Because that means that all Christians are like that, right? And, and we, that means that God is like this. And so if that's, if that's the case for you, then this is, this is what you want to do. Don't, don't believe all this thing about troubles and trials and building perseverance and character where Jesus said in this, in this world you will have trouble. If you want to drift, then here are the things that you need to do. You need to neglect your time with Him. You need to blame God. Three, you need to hang around negative or bad influences. Forget what Paul said about do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. What does bad company do? What does it do? It corrupts good character. So you certainly don't want to hang around strong Christians or believers because we all know how annoying they are. Right? And they just might speak some truth into your life that you need to hear, but you don't want to hear. So you certainly don't want to be around people like this. I know what we'll do is we'll say, well, I need to be around the bad influence because I'm trying to reach out to them. And I think that's wonderful. I think that's great. But if you want to drift from God, then be sure that that's none of that is about witnessing for Christ. It's really to hang around them to maybe just see how messed up they are to feel better about yourself. So, you want to hang around bad influences. Number four, you want to give in to all temptation. If you want to drift, you want to give in to temptation. James 1.14, James says, But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Isn't that great? You want to drift from God, you want to be sure to find yourself some spiritual death. So we just want to, we want to cave in. We don't want to resist the enemy. We just want to say, you know, that whole thing about I can do all things through Christ. I can't do all things through Christ. Or I'm just this way. I have no, I I, I can't overcome this. It's just the way that I am. So if you want to drift from God, I want to encourage you to be sure that you never set up good accountability with another Christian brother or sister that you can trust. If you want to drift from God, be sure that you never set accountability up because they might just speak something into your life that you need to hear. And here's a final way to drift. If you want to drift, then start loving the world more than you love God. And I think many of us have this one down. First John 2.15 says... Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So all you need to do, if you want to drift, all you need to do is just continue to fall more and more in love with the temporary pleasures of this world. And what Scripture promises you is that your your love for your Father will begin to erode. 
So lust after the things of the world. Start believing that you are what you drive or where you live or what you wear. Start believing this. Go into debt. Go into massive debt and borrow money to buy things that you don't need to impress people that you don't even like. Do those things because it's brilliant. Forget all this mumbo-jumbo Bible stuff that says, you know, that the world is temporary. If you want to drift, these are the things to do. You certainly want to invest everything that you have now in all of your of yourself and never think about sending it on in another way by investing it in the kingdom. That's a surefire way to drift. Okay. Now I said this was the final thing, but here is really a big key right here. Okay. Here is the key. If all else fails, absolutely fake it. Fake your relationship with God. Put the mask on. And you know what you'll do? You will join thousands throughout the centuries that have faked their relationship with a loving God. Isaiah 29, 13 says, the Lord says this, these people come near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips. But what does he say? But their hearts are far from me. So they know how to play the game. They know how to go through the motions. People have been doing this for a long time. Jesus confronts the church at Sardis in Revelation chapter 3. He says, I know your deeds. You're doing all this stuff. You have a reputation. You're known for being alive. But what does he say? But really inside, you're really, you're just, you're just dead. You're numb. So if all else fails, fake it. Just build this reputation. Learn the Christian Speak. Learn the Christianese, we call it, right? Learn how to say the right things. How are you doing, brother? Oh, praise the Lord, brother. I'm hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God is good all the time, all the time, in everything. And learn how to say all that. Just fool them. Fake it. You're thinking, man, Bart, dude, you're taking it kind of strong to the hoop today. Man, you're kind of being hard on us. You know, here's the thing. The truth of the matter is what I've described to you in the midst of all the sarcasm. And I hope you know that's all sarcastic, right? Okay. Here's the thing. In the midst of all this, what I'm trying to tell you is this, is that has been me. I've been those things. I've done those things. Some of you are thinking, that must have been before you became a pastor. Really? I thought when I thought going into ministry, I thought when I became a pastor, I'd be like, this is awesome. I'm getting paid to have a relationship with God. This is cool. I can do this. But you know what I found is just as I told you is my relationship with my wife is something that if I want it to be everything that it's supposed to be, I must be intentional in that relationship, in loving her and, and listening to her and being disciplined in these certain things, even when it's unnatural for me in certain ways. I found this out about my relationship with God is that I must also be in intentional and I must press through the times where I don't feel like it so I say this humbly before you this has been me and I'll tell you that you'll drift from God like I have drifted times in my life I didn't have any really big huge egregious moral failure sin whatever you want to call it it was just gradual drifting Gradual drifting. Next thing you know, wake up. I'm like, how did I get this far? Anybody else been there? You know, I faked it. I'm embarrassed to say that. But it's true. The thing that breaks my heart is what's happening for some of you this morning at this very moment is God's trying to get your attention. You're kind of in, caught up in the waters and you've been drifting for some time. Some of you, instead of being so focused on the waters right now, you're looking back. You see the beach. You see how far out you are. And here's the thing that concerns me is for some of us, we're going, you know what? I just don't care anymore. And that concerns me for you. And then there are others of you, you're going, man, I'm drifting. And, and, but, you know, I'm so far away, it's just too hard to get back. And then there are others that are saying, man, I'll do whatever I can just to get back up on the beach. Because I've drifted. And it's time for me to come home where I belong. Jesus said to the church at uh, Ephesus in the book of Revelation, He said, you have forsaken your first love. Remember how in love you used to be with God, Jesus? 
Then he tells them what to do. Remember the height from which you have fallen. And then there's a word he uses. He says, and repent. Repent. It's just a good, a good word for us to, to just practice. Repentance. It's, it's, it's a changing of the way we think which affects our behavior. We repent. And do the things that you did at first. You say, I don't even know what to do. Do the things you did at first. <laughs> Start just, you know, being in love with Jesus again. What am I supposed to do? I just want to right now, just as we close this service out, I want to just let God's Word read us right now. Okay, so let God's Word read you. If you've been the one drifting and you've been thinking you're too far away and you could never get back or you've realized you've drifted, let God's Word read you right now. Here's what it says. Isaiah 30:18 says this, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Let that just wash over you right now. He longs for that. He's not like, there they go again. He longs to be gracious to you. Psalm 103, here's what he says. God will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He has not punished us for all our sins, nor does he deal with us as we deserve. He is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear or those who reverence him. He's tender He's compassionate. Isaiah 1.19. I love this one right here. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, let God's Word read you. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, God says, I can take it out and make you clean as freshly fallen snow. Amen? I know some of you are going, man, return them. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I've messed up. Jeremiah 15.19 says, if you return to me, I will restore you so you can continue to serve me. It's indicative of someone who was already serving Him. So my heart breaks is that there are some of us this morning that we can hear a word like this and it confronts us and it challenges us, but some of us, we've gotten so good at the faking part of it that we can successfully shake off anything that the Holy Spirit would try to do in our hearts. So we just kind of shake this off. Man, I'm going on my way. I was a little rough today. You know, I'm on my way. And then there are some of you, and my heart rejoices for you because what's happening right now is the Holy Spirit is wrecking your heart right now. And your heart is breaking, and you realize it's time to come home. It's time to come home. I said this in the first service, and I say it to you. Drifting is gradual, but restoration is immediate. Isn't that good? That's a word right there that the Lord wants you to have. Aren't you glad that the, the restoration's not gradual? Well, let's see if you can just do this, and then we'll see if I forgive you. And let's see if you do it. No, it's immediate. It's like the story of the prodigal son. He squandered his inheritance. He's going for immediate gratification. He finally comes to the end of himself. He comes to himself. He drifted so far from his father. He wakes up and and, and realizes how far away he was. And then he went home and, 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 and his father embraced him with arms around him, kissed his neck, threw a robe, threw a party for him. And that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to throw a party for you. He doesn't want to condemn you. His grace wants to just... He wants to wrap you up in His coat and His robe of grace today. So I just want to give us just a few moments just to think about our own spiritual condition. For those of us that lifted our hands, can we just pray together now? Let's pray. Just quietly before the Lord, forget who's next to you, just have a quiet moment with Jesus right now. Has there ever been a time where you are closer to Jesus than you are right now. And if there has been, the question begs to be asked, what happened? Why did you drift? What got in the way? Was it a career? Was it a relationship? Maybe it's just the economy just wrecked you this past year and man, you're just so angry. 
was it your kids' activities or a hobby? Again, all things that are not, not bad things, but when they are not in the right order in our life, guys, they can wreck our lives. It wrecks us. So as we close, I want you just to I want you just to spend some time with the Lord, and I want to pray for you right now. Father, I know from personal experience, as I was honest with uh, our church this morning, that I've struggled with these very things today. I've drifted. I thank you, Lord, for your tender forgiveness. I know that there are people that are here today, Lord, that are fighting a civil war right now in their minds. Or they know that you're speaking to them. For whatever reason, Lord, they're resisting that. Lord, we are prone to do the convenient thing, the popular thing, the easy thing. Lord, what I want to ask you to do right now is to give them the courage to face the reality of where they are spiritually. And I want to ask you, Lord, give them also the courage to come home to your forgiveness and your grace. I know, Lord, that there are others that are here that are filled with a, filled with a deep sense of regret for the things that they have done. And they have a hard time believing that you could ever forgive them, Lord. And they've drifted. And they want to return, but they just are having a hard time getting past the fact that you could actually love them in spite of themselves. And so, Father, speak to them today in a fresh way. Speak to them of your restoring grace. It's not based upon their performance. How their, their gradual drift was one thing, but your restoration is immediate. Now, with our heads bowed, if you've drifted from the Lord today, and you would say the Holy Spirit has spoken to you in such a way that you are saying, Pastor Bart, I am ready to return to Him today. With nobody else looking around, if that's you this morning, would you say, Pastor Bart, that's me. Would you just lift your hands this morning and say, that is me. I'm ready to come home to Him. Not to this church or anything. I'm just coming home to Him. I want to come home to Him. Many, many, many hands. Hallelujah. Many, just as in the first service this morning. Many. I want to say that if this is true, then I want to tell you this is going to do something incredible within your life. The harvest is going to be bountiful. 30, 60, 100 fold in your life. Why would you not want that? Why would you not? Those of you that lifted your hands, let me just pray for you and we'll be done. As your, as your hands have been lifted, maybe you just would say something like this to God. Maybe you just say a simple prayer to Him. Lord, today I'm coming home to You. Thank You, Father, for Your grace and Your forgiveness. And Lord, today I trust You. Lord, make me more cognizant of how prone I am to wander. I ask you today, Lord, to forgive me for the drifting that has happened in my life. And Lord, show me how to live this next week just more day by day, hour by hour. Lord, create a hunger within me again for the things of God. I don't have it within myself, Lord. Do this supernaturally. Lord, for the times that whenever I've been ashamed of you, Lord, give me boldness this week, not in an obnoxious way, but in a way that brings glory to you. Whether I feel close to you this next week or not, what I know for certain, Lord, is that you always keep your promises. So today, Lord, I trust in this fact, me kind of coming home to you today, and I thank you your grace. Some of you never trusted Jesus for the first time as your Savior. and you can, you can come home where you belong to Him for the first time. Place your faith in Jesus Christ for eternal life. You just pray something in your heart. Simply say, Lord, just save me. I want to be a Christian. I want you, Jesus, in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Save me, Lord Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word today. You're a good and awesome and loving God. And I pray that we would walk out of this room today, Lord, filled with the joy 
in our hearts because of how good you are to us. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Can we do something before we go? All right. I went to the football game the other night when people scored touchdowns. People went crazy. Can we clap to God? Wait. Can we clap to God for the many, many people that said, I'm coming home to Jesus today? Can we clap like we would at something that we praise God for that? Praise God. That's a big, big thing. And God deserves applause from His people. Amen? Go in God's grace today. We love you. I want to be saved today. Thank you for dying for my sin. Forgive me of my sin and save me. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you that your word reads us. We needed this word from you, Lord. We want our church to be a place where we're real before you. We bless your holy name. I pray your blessings be upon God's people today, upon your people. Father, I pray that we would walk out of here with just a great spirit and sense of joy in the many who have come home to Jesus Christ this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we do one last thing before we go? Can we clap to God this morning for the number of people that I am coming home? Amen. Why don't you stand up this morning? And why don't you go in the Lord's grace? If you need somebody to pray with you today, as always, we look down here at the front. Glad to pray with you. God bless you. We love you.